really important to get on top of this now during the summer uh, before the fall arrives, because the fall is going to be pretty tough. And remember, we're going to have the flu season to contend with. If you are actually saying, okay, let's go back and then let's see who gets COVID. Is it going to be one child? Is it going to be a hundred ch children? It, um, is it going to be thousands of children? Just about everyone agrees they'd like to see kids safely return to school campuses this fall, but how that happens is turning into a raging political debate. Welcome to our ABC 10 News Coronavirus Impact Podcast. I'm Ben Higgins, and we're looking at the different ways the ongoing pandemic is having an effect on our community. In just a moment, we'll get the perspective of a local teacher who desperately misses her elementary school students, but also thinks a lot needs to get done before her classroom is ready to welcome those kids back safely. First, here are some of the top coronavirus headlines for Wednesday, July 8th. The Trump administration is pushing hard to reopen schools in the fall for in-person learning. They must fully open and they must be fully operational. And how that happens is best left to education and community leaders. That's Education Secretary Betsy DeVos after President Trump threatened to cut funding to school districts that don't fully reopen. But can that be accomplished safely here in San Diego, especially considering the budgetary constraints already in place? ABC 10 News anchor Derek Stahl has more on the money squeeze our schools are facing. The administration says mental health, economic concerns, and the impacts on learning outweigh the dangers of the virus. On Twitter, President Trump suggested the decision to close schools might be a political play by Democrats. And he said he may cut off funding from districts if they don't open. Richard Barrera is on the San Diego Unified School Board. He does not have that power. Uh, the federal aid that's going to schools is approved uh, through Congress and it, it, under law, has to be distributed to schools. He says San Diego Unified is desperately trying to reopen its campuses on August 31st, but says the district needs more money to do it, not less. That's everything from, for, you know, maintaining social distancing, maintaining extra nursing and counseling support in schools, extra custodial uh, work to, you know, do more deep cleaning of the schools, personal protective equipment, all of those items cost money. To reopen campuses, San Diego Unified is going to have to reach a deal with its teachers union. The teachers union says several things need to be in place first, including safety measures. Derek Stahl, ABC 10 News. The CDC issued guidelines on how schools should safely reopen, but the president said the guidelines were too strict. The administration announced it will release new guidelines next week. Meanwhile, Governor Gavin Newsom responded to the president's comments about schools reopening in the fall. What we need to address is safely reopening the schools, uh, and we need to make that a foundational principle. Uh, that, to me, is non-negotiable. We have to safely reopen our schools. And we also have to reconcile what is also non-negotiable, and that is we must insist upon learning the beginning of the school year. Uh, we provided, as I mentioned a moment ago, two months of PPE. We are procuring more PPE to provide even more support uh, for our educational system, not just K through 12, but our preschools and obviously our uh, system of higher education as well to help support their efforts. That's why we have to continue to do more on face shields, uh, masks, gloves, uh, and gowns and the like, deep sanitation uh, and other uh, procurement, which is foundational in terms of safely reopening the schools. The governor says the state already received $5 billion from the federal government to allow schools to reopen safely and with flexibility. 
Some good news in the local COVID report. County officials say 264 new cases were reported, but that's just 3% of overall tests, lower than the two-week average that had been climbing towards 7%. Now we'll wait to see if the trend continues as we head toward the weekend. More local businesses will be taking over sidewalks and parking lots as a way to stay open under the new state restrictions. Mayor Kevin Falconer's executive order allows restaurants in the city to expand their outdoor seating, no permit needed. The move comes as cases continue to rise. County health officials say a number of outbreaks have been linked to restaurants, so indoor dining is on hold for at least three weeks. There's now a push for the city to also allow dining in parking lanes. The executive director of the Hillcrest Business Association says this could be the answer for restaurants that don't have enough sidewalk or parking lot space. Putting it in the parking lane can really save these businesses. Mayor Falconer says that idea is part of a bigger proposal that will be sent to the full city council for approval next week. In the North County, Poway City Council members unanimously approved a proposal from Mayor Steve Voss to purchase outdoor picnic tables. The tables will be used by restaurants that need help with outdoor dining. Mayor Voss says they will likely be purchased with funding from the CARES Act. He also says no permits will be required to use the tables on sidewalks or private parking lots. Yeah, I think this is kind of a no-brainer, win-win type situation. I would love to see more picnic tables in our parks eventually, and so that's a great thing. Um, and to, to do every little thing that we can to help our local businesses. Mayor Voss expects the tables to start being distributed this week. When the restaurants no longer need them, he says they'll be moved to parks in Poway. The San Diego Blood Bank is continuing its push to get people to get out and donate blood. The Blood Bank says this time of year is typically an important time for them, but with a shortage going on along with a pandemic, the stakes are a little higher. Summer is a crucial time for us to need blood, especially now. And um, people are on vacations, out on school, and it's just really important for people to come out. And we really appreciate everybody donating. You need to make an appointment with the blood bank to donate, and they encourage you to do so. And as we've reported, they're sweetening the deal by testing your blood for coronavirus antibodies. A little goes a long way. They say one pint of blood saves three lives. San Diego County, along with the city of San Diego, is donating $5 million each in grant money to help provide child care for essential workers. The San Diego Foundation and the San Diego COVID-19 Response Fund announced that the combined $10 million will support an emergency child care voucher program. Those programs will be administered by the YMCA of San Diego County and Child Development Associates. So far, the fund has raised over $27 million for San Diegans during the pandemic to help with child care, food insecurity, and other financial hardships. Clinical trials are underway for an inhaled version of remdesivir. That's the antiviral drug used to treat coronavirus patients. The trial will include 60 healthy people between the ages of 18 and 45. Remdesivir is currently administered intravenously through infusions, but the inhaled version is being tested for patients who don't require hospitalization. It's the only drug that has an emergency use authorization from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to treat coronavirus infections. United Airlines is struggling more than ever to rebound from the pandemic. The company says they are now prepared to lay off nearly half of their workers. United sent a memo to employees saying they plan to temporarily furlough 36,000 employees on or around October 1st. Most of them will be flight attendants, airport customer service workers, and gate agents. United says those employees will be eligible to return once travel demand goes back to normal. The newest member of the Padres tested positive for coronavirus. Speedy infielder Jorge Mateo was acquired last week in a trade from the Oakland A's. 
He's yet to interact with teammates or visit Petco Park while awaiting the results of his intake COVID test. Manager Jace Tingler talked about Mateo's condition. Jorge has, has uh, at the beginning, had a little bit of loss of, of smell and taste, um, although the, the reports are coming back that uh, the smell and taste is, is starting to come back to him. So he is feeling a little bit better. Per MLB rules, Mateo will need two consecutive negative tests before being allowed to join his teammates for workouts at Petco Park. Last week, Padres outfielder Tommy Pham tested positive for coronavirus and is currently in quarantine. The Padres opened the shortened 60-game season on July 24th against the Arizona Diamondbacks. College sports also continue to feel the impact of COVID-19. The Ivy League announced there will be no sports until at least January 1st although they left open the possibility that fall sports like football could be rescheduled for the spring. Stanford University also announced plans to drop 11 varsity sports in a cost-cutting measure. Men's volleyball, rowing, fencing, and wrestling are among the programs being eliminated. The school says it will continue to honor all scholarships and coaches' contracts. Well, the discussion about how to reopen schools in the fall, if they're going to be reopened, continues to be a hot one. And joining me on the podcast today is a teacher from San Diego, uh, Amber, who I know you miss your students desperately, but it is such an important issue. First of all, thanks for joining us. As a teacher, how do you feel about this current debate over the schools reopening in the fall? Well, first of all, I do desperately miss my students. That's been one of the most difficult things of all of this. Um, I feel very anxious and conflicted. Um, about schools reopening because I want to be in the classroom with my students. Um, like I said, I miss them so much, but the health and safety of my students is my number one priority. Um, I want to ensure that my students and their families, of course, are safe as well as my own family. So what would be the biggest challenges you think to try and safely teach kids in a classroom setting if that's what's decided this fall? Um, yeah, um, so I feel like the biggest challenges of teaching in a classroom during the fall would be class size. Um, that's just a huge deal during a regular school year. I had 31 students during the past school year, and during a regular school year, I worry about meeting the needs of all of my students, but having a pandemic to think about is another added stressor because um, I need to ensure the safety of my students and that the students are not coming to school if they are sick, that they are keeping a safe distance from each other, and also washing their hands on a regular basis, which takes up class time. At the same time, Amber, what are the biggest drawbacks of only teaching online? I mean, what do students miss out on if they can't be in the classroom? Well, one of the biggest things they miss out on is interacting with their peers. You know, when I had to do Google Meets during this last semester, the kids were just so sad to not be interacting with their peers. So the social emotional needs of my students is one of the biggest drawbacks of not being able to meet with them in person. Um, there was also a huge tech support issue and as well as language differences. I teach in a school where a majority of my students are English language learners. And it was a unique challenge communicating with my students and their parents who are still learning English. But it was also amazing to see how the parents and students rose to that challenge. So ultimately, what do you think it'll take for you personally to feel confident about the decision that's made one way or another in your district and even throughout the state of California? Uh, well, for me to feel confident about running, returning to the classroom, um, I need to know that there will be smaller class sizes. I think that's essential. And also the health and safety of my students. That's my number one priority, as well as my own health and safety and the health and safety of my students' families. That's just huge. 
Well, Amber, I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and a teacher. And thank you for uh, teaching our kids out there in, in California. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. We're also seeing more good news as the process of rebounding from the pandemic continues. Legoland isn't open yet, but the hotel soon will be. Today, they revealed they'll open July 17th. Some amenities, like the buffet, will be closed, but the pool will be open. Face masks will be required in public areas for guests three and older. They're also boosting their cleaning routines and adding more cashless payment options. The hotel will run at reduced capacity to allow social distancing. Legoland is waiting for guidance from the governor before they can open the theme park. San Diego still faces a long road to recovery even after the pandemic subsides. ABC 10 News is committed to helping San Diegans rebound from the turmoil created by the coronavirus, getting back on our feet, finding jobs, resources, and creative solutions to rebuild. Together, we'll find a way. For stories and more information on how we bounce back, go to 10news.com rebound. That's all for today. I'm Ben Higgins.